There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you Amazing. in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we've got three tremendous hours coming up for you as we're going to have a pair of guests coming up on the show. Pam Maldonado, you know her from her great work over there at Yahoo Sports. Does a little bit with regards to both forms of football, obviously college football, along with the NFL. She's going to be joining me in about 30 minutes. That will be 10.30 p.m. Pacific time. If you're looking Eastern time, that is more around 1.30. We're going to be discussing these NFL playoff games. Also, she does a tremendous job when it comes to taking a look at tennis as well. So we'll ask a little bit about the Aussie Open as well. So we're going to have some fun with that. And then we are also going to be having David Baker. He is going to be coming up at 11.30 p.m. Pacific time. That will be 2.30 a.m. He does a great job as the Super Contest winner. He's also a multi-time WSOP World Series of Poker bracelet winner as well. So we've got a lot that's going on there. Right now, we've got some live college basketball as well. I'll get you guys refreshed on that in a second as we've got a couple of games that it's going to be coming down to the nitty gritty when it comes to these spreads, especially with the number one team in the country. And we're going to be taking a look at everything that we've got on the college basketball card for Friday, taking a look forward to these NFL games for the weekend, taking a little bit of a look at the NBA as well, because the Chicago Bulls are dealing with a significant injury to Lonzo Ball that is going to keep him out for a little bit over a month as well. So We've got a lot on the show, but how about if we wind up going with what we've got right now live? That would be Gonzaga versus San Francisco. And if you, like me, wind up having San Francisco, you were probably feeling pretty good when this thing was tied with about 18 minutes left in the game. And right now, Gonzaga putting themselves in relatively good form to be able to cover this game. It is currently 74 to 56. You've got about a buck 45 remaining. That is a dunk for Gonzaga. That makes it 76 to 56. You've got, once again, about 90 seconds remaining. So if you're a backer of San Francisco like myself, you're probably going to need a three or two to be able to fall in this one. Gonzaga, just so impressive what they've been able to do. We're going to catch up on them a little bit more in the minute half. Bigger takeaways there. So we're going to be discussing that. We've also got a couple other games that they are starting to wind down. If you want to dig in this one, your fate is pretty much sealed. Arizona versus Sanford. It's right now 81 to 52 with Arizona in the lead, 220 remaining. Total between 150 to 151. If this doesn't wind up going under, it's just a crying shame right there. And for Stanford, they wound up having 
just a rough start to the game. They weren't able to get anything going from there. So this is a situation which, yeah, your fate is pretty much sealed. This one, very much live when it comes to a ranked team that could wind up going down. UCLA on the road facing off against Utah. You've got yourself about eight minutes left, or I should say six and a half minutes left in this one. UCLA up by a count of 50 to 48. Both of these teams, they've been having a masonry event. There has been a lot of bricks in this game. It's been a little bit of sloppy play in general. And to Utah's credit, it's a team that typically doesn't force a lot of seals. They've been doing a relatively solid job on defense and it came in in not necessarily so great a form. It's been a very unpredictable team to say the least. And thus far, they've been able to do a solid job of being able to hold up at the point of attack as we've got ourselves about six minutes left in this one, 51-50. It is currently Utah in the lead in this one. And when it comes to this Gonzaga versus San Francisco game, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Gonzaga in a quick second here, but you did wind up having a San Francisco three. So if you're sweating this one out right now, 17 point differential, 76 of 59, you've got about a buck 23 remaining. But what has been really impressive about Gonzaga in this game, because the debate is who should be number one right now, right now, Gonzaga is voted into that number one spot. Auburn, very close at number two. I'll say this right now. The AP poll is a little bit archaic. I do not wind up putting those into my power rankings personally. The only thing I might wind up using it for is a team wise of getting overvalued. It's like, oh, yay, we are now ranked. And then it leads to a big, giant letdown spot. But I take a look in general at this Gonzaga team, and they have figured out so many ways to win. Prior to this game, they had scored at least 110 points in each other last three games, at least 90 points in each other last five. But you also saw this in the game that they wound up playing against Texas Tech. When they wound up playing against Texas Tech, that was a low-scoring slog in which, well, neither team could really get anything going, and Gonzaga was able to win in that fashion as well. Now, when it came to Gonzaga, they did wind up taking those two losses earlier in the season, the loss to Alabama, not necessarily the greatest of luck. You wind up losing to Duke out here in lovely Las Vegas as well. But when it comes to Gonzaga, you did feel like it was going to take a little bit of time to be able to replace some of those parts from last season, because also keep in mind, you wind up having guys like Ayayi wind up going out of the fold. Corey Kispert was such a big integral part of this team, and you were able to replace it with quite a bit of talent. But at the same time, really your main two returning pieces from last year, that would be Drew Timmy along with Andrew Nemar. You did have Julian Strother on the roster last year, but he really didn't play at all in the NCAA tournament. But this is a Gonzaga team that they're able to hit you in so many ways. And what gets lost on Gonzaga, and I feel like we're able to trickle this down and talk about it with regards to Arizona as well, is that these teams that they play so up-tempo that they have such efficient offense, and what winds up just getting lost in the shuffle with regards to that is that you do have really good defenses with these teams as well. When you take a look on a per possession basis, it's much more impressive than if you just take a look at the raw numbers because you're going to see, oh, Gonzaga wound up giving up like 70 points in this game when sometimes giving up 70 points is not necessarily the world's worst thing. And boy, Gonzaga just fell on a three-pointer. It is currently 78 to 59. So someone out there is being driven absolutely nuts on that. But with that said, when it comes to... Like I said, with Arizona and Gonzaga, they wind up putting up these raw numbers that on the surface, they don't necessarily look bad. Where do you think Arizona ranks with regards to points allowed just on a raw per possession basis? And that's going into tonight in which they just wound up holding down Sanford. Number three in the country. The only two defenses that are giving up fewer points on a per possession basis, San Diego State and LSU. For Gonzaga, it's not necessarily as demonstrative, but they're number 14 in the country. Here are teams that are le less efficient with regards to the amount of points that they give up 
on a per possession basis than this Gonzaga team. How about if we go with UConn, a UConn team that does a great job on the glass. St. Mary's is actually giving up more points on a per possession basis than this Gonzaga team as well. So, I mean, you've got a bunch with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They do a wide variety of things. Well, it just winds up getting mass a little bit by the fact that they do wind up playing very much up-tempo. And we're going to be taking a look at the final 20 seconds of this game as this is a number that wound up closing at 16. San Francisco for three. In and out, they get the rebound. Are they going to have one more shot at it? It looks like they're going to get the tip, and that is not going to go. We've got about five seconds left. Misses, and it is going to land on 16, ladies and gentlemen, at San Francisco. They were trying to get you to the window on that one. For a lot of people, this is going to wind up being a push, depending on your closing number. If you took 15 and a half, with Gonzaga laying it, you wind up getting there. If you wind up taking the 16 points with San Francisco, you wind up getting a push. So that is going to do it for that one. You did wind up seeing a straight 16 and a half out in a couple of books as well. I think that circle was really the main one, but that is one in which it always reminds you when it comes to college basketball betting as well that you never want to consider some of these games over. For those of you guys that do more in-betting, in-game betting, I am not personally one that does so as much. You have been able to find a lot of value recently because I've noticed in college basketball this year, we wound up just seeing it in the Gonzaga versus San Francisco game, more and more demonstrative runs. I wound up actually retreat, retweeting something a little bit earlier about some of these teams that they go on absolutely massive runs in games. There seems to be a little bit more, shall we say, herky-jerkiness there is a little bit more with regards to teams that do go on runs and teams that may wind up giving up runs that's actually by Evan Miyakawa that's some really good information and I do think that it's become a little bit more important in this day and age of college basketballs this one winds up landing with Gonzaga winning by kind of 78 to 62 closing number winds up being a push for darn near everyone aside from if you wind up taking a very very late 16 and a half for the few that were out there so that is one that winds up going in the books. And when it comes to the number one team in all of college basketball, I do think that two of the teams that we wound up seeing just playing games in Arizona and Gonzaga, they're very good contenders. I feel like Auburn, a team that is going to be playing on Saturday, they are going to have their shot as well against Kentucky if they wind up winning that game. I think that it's hard to not have Auburn at number one, but that's just the landscape of college basketball in general. There is no real clear number one, which is why when you do wind up taking a look at the odds board when it comes to teams to be able to win the national title game, I wouldn't necessarily be looking too much at short shots right now because it feels sort of like that 2019-2020 NCAA tournament, which we unfortunately did not wind up getting where you wound up having Dayton looking like they were going to be a one seed. You wound up having... Other teams like Kansas, they were certainly in the mix. Baylor, they might have been a back-to-back -back champion if they would have been able to play that NCAA tournament. We never know because, obviously, when it comes to college basketball, the draw is just so big because you have to win six games in the NCAA tournament. Just ask Ohio State what the wrong draw is going to do for you because you take a look at it right now at DraftKings. 6-1 with Gonzaga. Should they be the number one team with regards to the odds board? Absolutely. Is 6-1 a great price when everyone else is at 9-1 or greater? I don't necessarily think so. We've seen a couple teams wind up progressing. Purdue, who is the number two team on that list, along with Duke at 9-1. to one. They wind up falling tonight against Indiana. And that's what I think is a big thing with regards to college basketball. The difference between a team like a Purdue and a team like a Villanova, we saw it earlier this year. It's very slim. Villanova wound up leading that game on a neutral court. 
if they wind up having a rematch, could you, would you be surprised if Villanova winds up knocking off Purdue on a neutral court? I can tell you right now, I certainly don't think so. So take a look at the odds board right now with regards to college basketball. I think that your real value is maybe a team like an LSU who's at 45 to one. They are the number one team in all of college basketball with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. Wisconsin right now is a national player of the year, in my opinion, and Johnny Davis. We're going to be seeing them in action on Friday. I'm actually going to be giving this out at 11 p.m. Pacific. But if you're looking Eastern time, that is 2 a.m. I actually wrote up for the New York Post. My thoughts on that Wisconsin versus Michigan State game. So that is called a tease in the business. We're going to be giving you guys that in about 45, 50-ish minutes. So be on the lookout for that. But it feels very wide open in college basketball right now. And when it comes to the NBA, it does feel a little bit more open there as well. We've seen quite a few injuries wind up going down. So we're going to give you a little bit of a roundup in the NBA next. What to expect out of the Eastern Conference with Lonzo Ball being hurt and so much more. That is up next right here on The Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of the look at is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, no more batteries to charge, or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. For your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so that way you are able to find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch that is available in 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning that it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head over to Zinn.com slash find to locate a store that is nearest you. That is ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. As we're back here in lovely Las Vegas, more specifically, Circa, the wonderful resort and sportsbook out here in Las Vegas for the look at with myself, Greg Hughes Pearson. Wanted to make sure I didn't wind up introducing my podcast right there. You wind up having that when you wind up doing a couple different shows. But when it comes to some live action, I'll just give you a quick little update right now for anyone that is looking for, shall we say, a midnight sweat. We're right now finding a couple games that are live right now. Washington versus Oregon State right now is the biggest of them. 
Washington's actually up by a count of 60 to 50 with about nine and a half minutes remaining at DraftKings. If you're looking to jump in, you're able to lay seven and a half right now with Washington with minus 105 juice total on this game live 147 and a half. So we're seeing a little bit of movement there. And then when it comes to what we're seeing in UCLA versus Utah right now, there is no betting line on this one because you've got about 40 seconds remaining in this one. UCLA currently leads by a count of 52 or by kind of 60 to 57. So I'll be monitoring that. And also something that we're monitoring, what we're all getting in the NBA right now, because talk a lot about college basketball, but we wound up seeing some very significant news out of the NBA within the last, I'll call it 48 or so hours. Alonzo Ball injury seems like it's going to keep him out for right around six to eight weeks. And that is of significance because the East is all sorts of jumbled up right now. The Chicago Bulls and the Miami Heat, they right now hold the, I guess you call it number one and number two spots. I think that the Chicago Bulls, by mere percentage points, they're right now in the lead over the Miami Heat. But if the season were to end right now, the Chicago Bulls out there in the Eastern Conference would be your number one seed. And when it comes to the odds that you're right now seeing out there in the Eastern Conference, it is very much in favor of the Brooklyn Nets right now, as it has been all season long. And I've come on this network, I've come on the Greg Peterson experience, what have you, and I've continued to say that there's not a lot of value on the Nets, and despite the fact that they would not even be any of the top two seeds, they are currently finding themselves at plus 130. We saw that worked out with the Lakers, who was a relative favorite all season long, being outside those top two seeds, and well, that was not any sort of a future ticket that wound up getting to the window for you guys, so... I do think that they are still very much overvalued. And I think that it's very interesting that the Bulls, obviously, they're probably going to be going down a little bit with Lonzo Ball not being in the fold. But you're currently able to get them at 11-1 to 1 with regards to odds to be able to win the Eastern Conference. And I take a look at this conference in general, and I do feel like it's relatively wide open. I do think that the Bucs rightly, rightfully are at number two at plus 320. And honestly, the price seems right as well. I don't think that you're getting great value. I don't think that you're getting barbecued with regards to value on this right now. The Miami Heat at plus 550. You can make a relatively solid case for them. I honestly, though, think that at plus 850, the Philadelphia 76ers do seem like a little bit of better value, in my opinion. We wound up seeing that Joel Embiid game in which he winds up going off for 50 points. The one caveat you obviously have for the 76ers is the health of Joel Embiid just because we've seen it year in and year out. Joel Embiid just winds up missing quite a few games, and you have to hope that they're at inoper- that they're at the shall we say, most convenient times because there was never a good time for a player to wind up getting injured thus far this season. He has played 33 out of the 44 games, but it does feel like a Philadelphia 76ers team that despite everything that has gone on around them, obviously the Ben Simmons saga, you've had quite a few guys being out. I remember they were one of the teams that was hit hardest by COVID-19. Despite all that, this has been a team that has been able to come together. And what we're noticing in NBA in the NBA in general is that team basketball is right now winning. Because for so long, it's always been, oh, you need that big three. You need to have all those superstars and everything like that. The Golden State Warriors, prior to them getting back Clay Thompson, I mean, it was really Steph Curry and a bunch of guys that really knew the role. Draymond Green just being able to stuff the stat sheet. Guys like even Jordan Poole, who has been the number three scorer for this team this season, being able to know his role, having guys be able to step up. I mean, for less of a term, I mean, Juan Toscano Anderson, Gary Payton II, these sort of guys that are not household names. They're not guys that are finding themselves in the starting lineup, being able to come through and being able to contribute. And that's what the Philadelphia 76ers have been able to do thus far. I mean, you certainly have had 
couple guys that have been able to come to the forefront to be able to help out Joel Embiid, the biggest of which Tobias Harris. He's been having himself a relatively solid season, in my opinion. The three-point shooting percentage is down, but he's become a little bit more of a well-rounded player. But you just take a look at the depth of the team. Someone like a Seth Curry being able to step up, be that clear number three scorer, has been great. Shake Milton has been dealing with a little bit of a back injury, but whenever he's been out there, he's been able to give this team right around 10.5 points per game. That Corkmaz has been able to do a nice job as well. And these are the sorts of the teams that I think you've got to take a look at. I mean, you're seeing it with the Memphis Grizzlies, who have went on just a big burner run the last few weeks. I mean, they're a team that you've got, you've got John Morant, who has been absolutely tremendous for them. But you take a look behind them, and do you necessarily have that set number two? I don't think so. But you've got a very young nucleus of guys, and they all step up. They all know their role. And I think that that's the way that the NBA is heading right now. Because we're seeing with a team that sold out for a bunch of superstars. We're going to pick on the LA Lakers once again. You know what? They're finding themselves with trading for Russell Westbrook. They're finding themselves at 22 and 23 right now. They've got a bunch of mix. They've got a bunch of mismatched pieces. They don't necessarily work. And what they gave up to be able to get Russell Westbrook, a bunch of young guys that, yeah, maybe they didn't wind up giving up that one superstar guy, that one guy that could eventually be the future, but I think that this team would be in better position right now if they don't wind up making that trade. As a matter of fact, I feel like the best move that the Lakers wanted making in the offseason was getting Malik Monk whenever he's been able to get minutes and whenever he's been out there on the floor. He's actually been relatively solid for this team. And what you notice with regards to a lot of these teams that they do wind up being able to make these runs to the title and they wind up winning it is typically it's not a team that is necessarily super young. Like you take a look at a guy like John Moran, for instance, he is still in his third year in the NBA probably needs a little bit more seasoning, but you take a look at what you wound up getting out of the Milwaukee Bucks last year. They wind up being able to win the title with Giannis Antetokounmpo really being in his mid to late 20s. He was able to do so there for the Phoenix Suns. It took Devin Booker a few years to be able to figure it out. They were in the finals, and they really, other than Chris Paul, the Wiley veteran, were full of a bunch of guys that were, they were semi-young, but at the same time, they had been through the rigors a little bit more. They hadn't been in the playoffs, but in the bubble, they were sort of in a playoff environment. You wound up seeing it with the Miami Heat a few years ago that wound up being able to make it to the finals, weren't able to pull it off outright, but Bam Adebayo had been sort of around the block a little bit, had been able to get a little bit of playoff experience, and then they wind up being able to make that nice run. When your team has LeBron James on it, it certainly does help, but you know what? When LeBron James is right now pretty much your best spot-up shooter on the team, that is an indication that things are not necessarily going well for you. I mean, we've seen it time and time again with these teams that they wind up selling out for a bunch of aging superstars, and I, that's exactly what the Lakers is. I mean, at some point, I think Carmelo Anthony might need a walker at some point this season. You've got yourself Anthony Davis, who's great when he's out there on the floor. Problem is, really the youngest guy out of all these superstars that you have, and obviously you're not going to consider a guy like a Malik Monk a superstar, so you pretty much have it for the big three of this team of James Davis and Westbrook. When you, The youngest of those three is a guy that's most injury prone. That just leads to a big giant that leads to a big giant boat of issues for this team. And you just take a look at what you're able to get out of his team like the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they're a little bit longer in the tooth, but they wound up winning all those titles with a bunch of guys that were a few years removed from being drafted, but at the same time, they were relatively young. You obviously had Steph Curry being that main superstar, and they wound up being able to win that first title, by the way, without Kevin Durant. So they proved that they were able to do that as well. And I think that that's just such the key when you're taking a look at the NBA landscape right now, which is why when it comes to a team like the Chicago Bulls, 
I do think that they're probably a year away still, but even them at 11-1 be able to win the East. If you're looking more at odds be able to win the title outright, you're going to be finding them between 25-ish to 20-ish to 1, depending on where you're shopping. And I do think that that's relatively okay value. A team like the Cleveland Cavaliers that you're able to get as a little bit of a flyer, they're probably going to need a little bit more time. But I take a look at these teams like the Philadelphia 76ers. The Golden State Warriors are obviously the team that I think should be able to win the title. You're right now finding them number two on the odds board. I think that they should be number one just because I'm a little bit more bearish on the Brooklyn Nets, but I'd be targeting those teams. I'd be targeting a team like the Suns. Some of these teams that they're a little bit further down the board. You don't necessarily want to be trying to take a stab on like the the Charlotte Hornets or anything like that, but these teams that they've got a little bit more... They've got some talent that is in their mid to late 20s. They're starting to meld together, and they don't necessarily have a big three, but they've got a very strong nucleus with one guy that's able to take over a game. These are the teams that I'm right now taking a look at, and certainly the Brooklyn Nets, if they do wind up getting Kyrie Irving full-time, which at this point, it looks pretty doubtful, but I know that they're making petitions. That would obviously be a little bit of a game changer as well. And speaking of game changers, we've got one coming up on the show next. Pam Maldonado does an absolutely terrific job over there with Yahoo Sports. She does a great job covering NFL. Also does a good job with tennis. We're going to be talking with her next. We're going to have her on for two segments. We're going to be looking at this week's NFL postseason action. We're going to take a little bit of the take a little bit of a look at what's going on down under as well. That's X right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline, over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every single game at VSIN.com. As we're back here in Lovey, Las Vegas, more specifically Circa Sportsbook, as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and it is a pleasure to be joined by our guest as Pam Maldonado does absolutely amazing work over there at Yahoo Sportsbook. She does a great job when it comes to looking at all forms of football, not just the NFL, but college football as well when that's in season. And she also is a great tennis ace as well. And Pam, it is great to have you on the show tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. First things first, because I just mentioned it, you do a great job when it comes to being able to take a look at everything that we're seeing with regards to tennis. And we've gotten through the first couple of days of the Australian Open. What have you noticed thus far? Obviously, it's a little bit of the earlier rounds, but I think that this tournament is going to be really intriguing from both the men's and women's perspectives. From what I've noticed so far is that things are running pretty pure, and that's because this is why I love betting the Australian Open is for that exact reason. And the reason for that players are fresh. There's fresh legs. There's less injury. They're coming into this with like the mini, there's that mini break in between the season. So you're coming into this with the best opportunity for tennis to run as it should, which means the favorites are winning. They're winning comfortably. Some of them are winning in three sets at four sets max. You're not seeing too many five setters. Um, there's no big upsets. So it's running pretty pure and that's been great, which is why I love betting the Australian open this time of year. And there's so many different ways in which you are able to attack tennis as well, because you don't need to just take guys out right on the money line or anything like that. I know that you're able to go a little bit more diverse with regards to the way that you wind up betting, and you're able to actually dive in a little bit more in-game betting more, I guess you'd call it sets as well and things like that. Have you been looking for any of those alternative ways to be able to dive in? 
In this tournament specifically, I haven't yet, but mostly because it's Australian time and you have to stay up and watch these matches. And as much as I want to say that, yes, I've been a diehard like in previous years watching everything, I have been falling asleep <laughs> so, <laughs> like a normal person. And so I haven't been doing as much live betting as I normally do. So right now I'm taking mostly pre-flop bets, but I am as like tonight I'll be up. Um, so I'll be looking for some embedding opportunities. And with that as well, because you just mentioned it, it's a trap that some of us wind up falling in when it comes to like East Coast folks trying to pay attention to like Pac-12 action or things like that. How do you wind up just catching up on some of the action that you might have wound up missing? Because obviously you just mentioned it with regards to the Australian Open. If you take a look at even like Wimbledon to a little bit of a lesser extent as well later on during the season, there's a lot of games that are going to be taking place when either you're like driving to work or in your case, sleeping. Right. You can find a lot of these replays on YouTube actually the following day or the Australian yeah, on the Australian Open um, YouTube channel. They post highlights and I've been watching tennis long enough to know I can watch a four minute clip and know exactly how the match went out. I can look at the box score. Oh, this person's serve was on. It wasn't his return of serve was a little lackluster. So just because I've been ha I have that familiarity already in my bag, I'm able to just watch a four minute clip and get the gist of it for the next day. And it's really important to be able to do that. And you mentioned box scores as well. Very important when it comes to college basketball as well, because I don't have enough time to be able to watch 130 games myself. So <laughs> being able to take a little bit of a look at that, I do think that is very good advice for a lot of different sports, because in the NFL, a little bit easier to be able to watch game tape of that when it comes to college basketball, when it comes to tennis, when it comes to anything overseas whatsoever, it is a little bit harder to be able to watch a lot of those games. So I think that that's a very good point mm -hmm. that you make there. And We've got to make some points when it comes to the NFL as well, because now it is to the divisional round of the postseason. And just taking a look at these games in general, I do think that we've got some very intriguing ones. And I do think that the opening game with this line going from three to three and a half with Cincinnati versus Tennessee is certainly something I'm going to be taking a look at because with the Tennessee Titans, it does look like they're going to have Derrick Henry out there. Looks like he's pretty well back to 100% after the team was able to get their bye week. And with the Bengals, a relatively solid win against the Las Vegas Raiders. How do you wind up taking a look at this game? Because it is going to be a Titans team that is going to be a little bit different than what we wound up seeing from them towards back half of the season. And for the Bengals, it's a very young team, but a team that has been able to really make some noise this season. I really... I love the Titans. I love Tennessee, and I really love what Coach Variable is doing with this team. I would love to see them advance. I do think this is going to be a closer game. So the three and a half, I think, is a great line, of which I have to back the Bengals in this spot because both of these teams, they're terrible at quarterback protection. So the question becomes, who do I then trust more to sling it in a pressure situation? And that's going to be Joe Burrow. I know that he doesn't have the playoff experience, but, I mean, he was on the national big stage in college football, so he's not exactly brand new to the big to the big lights and the flash and the glam. And so I'm going to put my trust in Joe Cool in this situation. The Bengals there is sixth in the rate in, offens in offensive plays to gain 20-plus yards while leading in touchdown scores from outside the red zone. If this, plays, if this becomes a play-from-behind situation for Tennessee, I know you have Derrick Henry, and I know you have other players that are coming back on offense, but you still have Ryan Tannehill, who has thrown for only 300 yards one in two games this season. So I'm not going to put my trust in the Tennessee offense. You would put your trust in Tennessee because of its defense, actually. But for an, an offensive standpoint, I have to trust Joe Burrow that he's going to keep this competitive. And you know that if they fall be from behind the Bengals, then he definitely has this, the ability to come back from behind. I agree with you. I love what I've seen out of Joe Burrow. 
being able to draft Jamar Chase. It's looking like it certainly was the correct decision. I know that there was a little bit of brushback at the time for not drafting an offensive lineman. When you've got that sort of connection going on, things are certainly going well there. And with regards to the Titans as well, what I think is going to be so intriguing is just we wound up mentioning it. The fact that Derrick Henry is going to be coming back. You've got a couple other pieces that have been out of the fold. How do you wind up gauging situations like this? Because I think one of the trickiest things to handicap, no matter what the sport is, is a guy that's been out quite a while and him being reinserted back into the fold just because is a player truly 100%? Is the offense now looking a little bit different? List goes on and on. And I think that's the hardest variable to really pin down in this game. So then my way to attack that was, would be to not att- not play any Derrick Henry props. <laughs> I was trying to stay away from that, but maybe just look to the in-game situation. You can still do like any time touchdown scored live. You can do the over rushing yards live. You can get a sense for what it is, how, how healthy he is coming into this matchup and look to the live line or just consider it that he's like a, a ploy on the field, like having that extra body on the field there, the defense is going to be focusing more on him. So that's going to open up the field for some somebody else, some of the wide receivers on the field. And I would probably be looking to that Tannehill. He can still use his leg. So I'd be turning to him in that situation, but also I love Derrick Henry. And if he says that he's ready to go, I'm also going to trust him. <laughs> yep. Derrick Henry, in my opinion, he is the number one running back in the NFL. Now I think that 90, 90- 90% of Derrick Henry, I would say, is probably better than 100% of any other running back. Now, mm-hmm. maybe opposed to him getting like 175 yards, that maybe falls off to like 150, but I'm right there with you. I think <laughs> that he's going to be in for a very good game in this one, but I do think that when it comes to player props this week as well, it is going to be a little bit tighter because, as we know, there becomes a little bit more emphasis on it when you wind up having fewer games. The menu winds up getting a little bit more expansive at a lot of these books as well. You wind up having a little bit more people just in general that maybe they aren't playing player props. They're betting more sides and totals. When the games wind up becoming fewer and fewer, you want to be able to fire up a couple more bets. Has there been anything that has really caught your eye with regards to the player prop market as of right now, or is this something that you're still taking a look at since it's still relatively early in the week? I haven't yet looked at any props, um, but I am interested really I think the problem, you nailed it, uh, you have to be a little bit selective and you have to, there's only four games up on the board yeah. and it's the NFL. So you have to believe that the books are going to have these lines sharp, whether it comes to player props, whether it comes to the side of the total, these lines are going to be almost as precise as they have ever been because there's a, so few games up on the board. So I actually haven't even made too many NFL bets in the postseason as of yet, but one game that does have my interest is the 49ers at plus six. Um, right now it's five and a half. It keeps going back and forth between five and a half and six. I I am looking to back 49ers in this spot. And I was just telling somebody today, I have not made an NFL wager in the postseason. I'm ready to back one and to take one. And it's going to be on the 49ers. I am getting some major 2020 flashbacks uh, with Aaron Rodgers when he faced the Bucks in the postseason. And the Bucks absolutely, that pass rush dominated Rodgers. He had five, he was sacked five times in that game. He threw one for an interception. And what do you think the 49ers are? And I know that Nick Bosa is in concussion protocol. But he's been practicing with the team, so I believe that he will be up on the field when they face this weekend. And if he is, then I definitely love the 49ers here in this spot. I think that that's really interesting. I'll be sure to ask you about that on the other side. But we've got about 30 seconds left here. But how important do you think it is to be able to take a look at live betting as well? Because you just mentioned it. Lines are as sharp as humanly possible. And I do think the big way to be able to negate that is look for a big run early and just sort of respect the line that has been put out by these very sharp bookmakers. 
Absolutely. And you can take advantage still of the live line in the postseason. And you saw it last week with the Steelers and the Chiefs. It was 0-0 in the first quarter. And then all of a sudden, fireworks. You saw the pace of play pick up. You saw Mahomes throw a touchdown. He got it downfield in like five plays. It was very quick offense, high tempo. And then, of course, Big Ben, they're not going to be there. I know it wasn't the strongest offense, but they are still going to put up points because the Chiefs don't have a great defense. You could have taken a live line at a very good number just because of the way the action was running. So you can look for opportunities like that again this weekend. Absolutely. And on the other side, going to be looking at that Green Bay Packers versus San Francisco 49ers game next right here on the Look It On VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure that VSIN is part of your plans. We'll be with you all throughout the playoffs. And then on championship weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on vcin.com leading up to our sixth annual live game, big game bet cast. It is the biggest game of the year. So make your plans now to join vcin and our sports betting, betting experts before, during, and after the action on vcin.com. As it is a look at with myself, Greg Eubsen, filling in for Scott Seidenberg, who you wound up catching on the nightcap and Joining me right now, we do have Pam Maldonado does a great job over there at Yahoo Sportsbook. And we're taking a look at everything that we've got for the NFL postseason. And you mentioned it on the other side, the fact that you do like the San Francisco 49ers in this game against the Green Bay Packers right now, fighting the 49ers as a five and a half point underdog. How big of an impact do you think that it has that this game is going to be in Green Bay, though? Because we know that these two teams wound up hooking up earlier this year was honestly one of the better games of the season that we wound up seeing. But that was a game that was in San Francisco. Now San Francisco has to travel to Green Bay where it's going to be relatively frigid this weekend. I think home field advantage has definitely dissipated over the last few seasons. So I think the Packers could definitely well just be overinflated at this point because there's a lot of factors coming into this. They had a bye. The 49ers are on their third straight road game. Um, the Packers are at home. It's Aaron Rodgers. So you could just be getting extra line value for that. But I, I'm still going to stick to I trust the 49ers defense. And I've seen how Aaron Rodgers can fold against a good pass rush. So I'm just going to trust that that 49ers defense is going to come into play here. And Nick Bosa, even if he is, is not 100%. The rest of the pass rush unit, 33 combined sacks. I definitely think they can still hit Rodgers when they need to. They're going to come in aggressive into, into this. I trust the 49ers defense more so than I would weigh a factor of the Packers at home. And for as much as we'd like to dog Jimmy Garoppolo, he was one pass away from his team being able to win a Super Bowl. And you know what? That is something that not a lot of guys are able to say. So, I mean, if you're taking a look at that aspect of it as well, Jimmy G, 
I think that a lot of people make him a little bit more chop liver than he deserves to be at. But what I can guarantee you is that yeah. nobody makes Tom Brady chop liver as that is someone that Jimmy G actually wound up learning under. And right now we're seeing the Rams versus the Buccaneers line right around three in a lot of spots. I'm seeing a couple straight two and a halfs out there as well, but we're seeing a lot of three with a total anywhere between 47 and a half and 48. And I do think that this is a really intriguing game just because with the Rams, did they underachieve towards back half the regular season with Matt Stafford throwing all those picks? Absolutely. But if you're looking at raw talent and raw talent alone, the Rams certainly do have that. Meanwhile, for the Buccaneers, you got Tom Brady. I mean, what more do you need? But you could need a couple more weapons with regards to this team because we obviously saw the Antonio Brown situation, but you still have Rob Gronkowski. You still have Mike Evans. Where do you stand on this one? Because I think that this is the most intriguing game of the weekend, at least for me. Intriguing. That's perfect. That's perfectly put because I, this is going to be a fantastic matchup. You have the Bucks who are 13 and four at home with Brady, 11 and one at home in non prime time games. This is going to be a great matchup. And you have Sean McVay. This is an interesting nugget. Sean McVay is 12 and three in Eastern time zone kickoffs. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's going to be an equally competitive field. My big concern for Tampa Bay comes in that offensive line. It's kind of ironic how last year they were the beneficiaries of uh, Chiefs who were struggling with an offensive line. They had a lot of reshifting in that quarterback protection unit. And the kind of the same is happening this year with temp with the Bucks. So now you have the starting center, Ryan Jensen and right tackle interest in Wirfs, both of which had ankle injuries last week. Are they 100%? They're not practicing so far. So the health of their the health of them, if they're even going to be playing in this game, is a concern. And last week we saw Brady when the right when Wirfs went out in the game, four sacks, and the Eagles could not do anything on offense, which is why they weren't able to make it more competitive. But the defense was definitely there. So you have a banged up offensive line facing a Rams defense that pressured Kyler Murray on 41% of its dropbacks last Monday. This is a defense. This is a perfect case of health versus health versus uh, strength right now, strength versus weakness. So Brady under pressure, 24th in yards per pass attempt, 29th in completion rate. I'm going to back the Rams here. And I think that it's so intriguing that you wind up taking that angle as well, because when it comes to some of these teams, I do think that there are a couple examples of teams that wind up getting a little bit better throughout the season, because one thing that I always take a look at with Tom Brady is that he always gets his teams to be able to play some of their best football this time of year. You sort of see it in college basketball with some of these teams that they wind up flailing in non-conference play. They're able to regroup in conference play. And for lack of a better term, we're going to mention this team in a minute or two, but the Kansas City Chiefs, they're Defense always seems to be really bad under Andy Reid towards the beginning of the year, but as the season goes along, it gets a little bit stronger and stronger. I sort of take a look at that with the Bucks defense. So is that something that is a little bit of consideration teams that just traditionally they seem to wind up playing just some of their best football at this time of year? Yes. However, you have to also consider health. And this time last year, the Bucks were one of the healthiest, if not the healthiest team headed into the playoffs, a uh, deeper run into the playoffs, especially headed into the Super Bowl. This year, that's not the case. They're actually piling up the injuries. And if you are injured, maybe if you're down one wide receiver, maybe you're down in playoff Lenny Leonard Fournette, then maybe that's going to be less of a concern. But anytime you mess with the offensive line, that changes the perspective for me entirely, especially when you're facing one of the best defenses in the league. And I think that you just explained why I do certainly like the under in this game as well, just because mm. you do have a banged up Bucks team. And when it comes to Rams, they themselves have thrown quite a few interceptions with Matt Stafford, not necessarily being effective towards mm -hmm. back half of the season as well. And it's a Bucks defense mm. that they're a little bit healthier this time of year. Meanwhile, the offense, well, 
the Antonio Brown situation wound up happening. You went through all the injuries and that I think is going to be a little bit of a tough go of it for them as well. And I did mention it a little bit earlier with a team that they always seem to round into form with their defense and that would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Cataclysmically bad to begin the season. They ended the year very, very strong. They're going up against the Buffalo Bills team that they looked incredibly impressive against the New England Patriots, but I took a look at the New England Patriots. I thought that that was a relatively bad spot for them, so I was happy about that one. Currently finding a line of between one and a half and two, total between 53 and a half and 54. This is another case in which I do like an under in this spot, especially with it being a little bit of colder temperatures. You're out there in Kansas City. Not sure where you wind up standing on this one, but I think that this is going to be another intriguing game where I feel like I have a little bit of a better feel on the total than the side. I, well, okay, first off, player, people who are saying that they have a side in this game, it's entirely dependent on what you had preseason, because I have a Chiefs futures, people who are holding a Bills futures, that's the side that we're going to lean on when it comes to this game. <laughs> so I would be looking to the total as well, but it's only because I already have that ticket in my pocket. However, you're leaning to the under, I'm leaning to the over, and I, I mean, I could be entirely wrong. The line has ticked down from the opening of 55. It is now at 53. But these team, these two teams, these two offenses, they're first and they're fourth and first in points per drive. The defensively, maybe it's going to show out here for a little bit in the first quarter, just like we saw with the Steelers and the Chiefs. But then that's just going to explode. You're not going to be able to pass. You're not going to be able to stop Josh Allen on that run game. He's going to be running up and down the field. He's going to be able to put up points. So what is that going to lead to? Patrick Mahomes doing what Mahomes does, get downfield in five plays, put up a seven points. And then all of a sudden, I can see this being a tight early and maybe more defensively early, and then just the floodgates open up, and then in the fourth quarter, all of the points. And in that first game, you saw the Chiefs. They did lose 38-20, to 20, but there was a lot of points left up on the board. The Chiefs had two fumbles, two interceptions, two field goals, and a turnover on downs inside the 30. None of that is probably going to happen again. That's that's a lot less likely. You're talking about teams that progressively get better throughout the season. That's what the Chiefs offense has done. They progressively progressively improved this year. Um, as the second half of the season, the offense is starting to gel, come together. They're starting to make smarter plays. Um, they were slowing down the pace of play early on. That's lead, opening up the run game. Uh, we're seeing a lot of good things coming out from both offenses. You're not going to stop Josh Allen. Mahomes is going to be great. I would expect points. I would never bet the under. I wouldn't feel comfortable <laughs> with an under. <laughs> it is one of those cases in which maybe I'm putting a little bit too much faith in the Chiefs defense because they did look relatively good towards back of the season after having a really rough go of it as well. And what I also think is going to be a little bit of a key in this game is are the Chiefs going to be able to run the ball as well? Because Clyde Edwards-Alaire wound up missing that first game. And I do think that that's a big part of both the total and the side in this game, just because I feel like Clyde Edwards-Alaire is able to be a little bit of an X factor for this team, because when the Chiefs wind up having a tad bit more balance with regards to being able to run the ball, I think that it really opens things up for them as well. Jared McKinnon had a really great game last week against the Steelers, however, though. So you have, I know that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he is a fantastic running back, but they seem to have filled in the role just nicely with McKinnon, and he was also utilized as a passing back. So I I don't have any doubts that they're going to have success in that run game. And we've seen the Bills. They're not immune to, to uh, big rushing teams. They allowed over 100 yards to Jonathan Taylor, they had, to Derrick Henry. So they're not, they're susceptible too. That's probably the weakest part of the game, but because they haven't, faced many rushing offenses. The stats are a little bit more skewed towards their favor. So I would definitely expect that the Chiefs could have success on the ball, success on the ground, but you're still going to have Mahomes and he's going to know what to do in the passing game. 
Yep, Patrick Mahomes, one of the best that we have seen in such a long time. And to be able to follow Pam, who joined me right here on the look at, that is at Pam, Pamela M, the number 35. And Pam, always a pleasure having you on the network. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Absolutely. Have a good weekend. That was Pam Maldonado. Does absolutely amazing work over there at Yahoo Sports. We want to take a look at the NFL games here in the first hour. Here in the second hour, though, got to take a look forward to some college basketball action for Friday. That's up next right here on the Lookout on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. For your plate, for your plate, for your plate. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com.com slash compatibility.